Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey, welcome to episode 16 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. So stoked for my interview today with the one and only Jason Ballard. Now, some of you may have heard the name Jason Ballard before, maybe uh, through one of the hosts, or maybe you even saw him on a screen before as one of the hosts of the infamous Youth Alpha series. However, Jason not only works with Alpha Canada, Jason's also a pastor at Christian Life Assembly in Langley, British Columbia. Not just an Alpha host, not just a pastor, he's also a husband to his wife, Rachel, and dad to his three kids, Hudson, Mary, and Millie. And I'm so pumped for this interview, so let's get right to it. Here's my conversation with Jason Ballard. Jason and I first met a number of years ago. I believe it was at a Starbucks, actually, of all places, in Ottawa, our nation's capital here in Canada. At the time, Jason and his friend Ben Woodman were doing a promo tour, I believe, for a brand new Youth Alpha video series. And uh, Jason, I got to say, I can still vividly recall as our meeting came to an end that day, you specifically turning to me and asking me if there was anything you could pray about on behalf of me. And we had never met before this point. And uh, that really impressed me, man. And I've got to say, I've just, you know, watched from a distance, cheered you guys on the whole Youth Alpha thing. Um, But even greater than that now in this role as I serve as District Youth Director, um, you know, and we've got you coming in a little bit as well, which I'm super pumped about. But I'm just so excited to to have somebody so down earth, but but yet leads with with such uh, just intentionality, uh, Jason. And so it's a real blessing and honor to have you on the on the podcast today. So thanks for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure, man. And those are such kind words. I want to do this podcast (laughs) once a week just to build up my esteem. (laughs) And remember, I guess what what matters. Not so good, man. And it was I do remember it. it was a Starbucks. And, you know, every once in a while you meet another leader who's trying to make a, a dent yeah. on things. And I just remember sitting with you and thinking like, oh, man, who knows what will happen the next 10 years? And I don't know how many years ago that was. Um, but it's fun to see. It's fun to see how we both kind of found ourselves in different roles, different influence. And then to have this conversation today to keep learning from each other seems fun. Well, thanks me. so much. And so much has, has happened in and through your life since we last met. And like you said, it was quite a few years ago now. I don't even know the number. It doesn't matter. But uh, why don't you bring us up to speed? And uh, I know many of our listeners would probably be familiar with your your beautiful face, your uh, great mugshot there through the Youth <laughs> Alpha series. But even aside from that, kind of tell us, you know, kind of how you got involved with that and give us some context as to where you are right now and, and what you're up to these days. Sure, sure. So I think, you know, when when you and I connected, it would have been, yeah. 2013, and we were launching the first Alpha yeah. Youth Series. Now, Alpha's been a long, around for a long time and started in London. And really, Alpha at its core was something that a local church was doing to make space for people who might not typically go to church to have like meaningful conversation about faith, m- find community. And uh, it became a real effective way to see people come into relationship with Jesus, into the community of the local church. It began to multiply around the world. And I remember in high school, actually, like bringing one of my friends on Alpha, even though it was designed for an older audience. I brought one of my high school friends. Yeah. It so impacted his life. And what was happening in my life at the time was as a high school student, I found myself thinking a lot about how I could make the faith my relationship with Jesus that it impacted me accessible to my friends. But then also began to perceive that the church... Um, in Canada 
was doing amazing things to reach youth, but it was in like yeah. little pockets all over, all over Canada. And then even beginning to travel and do ministry globally, you see these little pockets. And I kind of found myself caught up with the thought of what would it look like to build resources that could get in the hands of as many church leaders as possible? Because there was amazing things happening all over the place. It wasn't that stuff needed to be almost uh, reinvented, but almost that we needed to create resources right. that could have better distribution and get in the hands of leaders. Yeah. Similar to why you're doing this podcast, just to help people do it better. And so kind of two trains started at the same time. One was a personal journey as I kind of wrestled through whether I was going to go into business or ministry, like pastoral ministry. And then there's also this other train, which was like just actively working with friends, like close friends to build a resource that we could give to the local church. And, uh, and so really I'm, I'm still sort of on both those tracks right now. So part of my life really meaningfully is pastoring in my local church. I'm here in Langley. I'm where I'm recording from today and I'm a pastor. I oversee youth preteens, young adults here at yeah. First Life Assembly in Langley. And uh, I'm, being, I'm being sent out from this church. We're going to plant a church in 2020 in Vancouver. So we'll plant a, a brand new church expression. Me and some friends are doing that. So there's this past, pastor journey that I'm on. And then side by side with that all along, I've been and will continue to work with Alpha and other ministries to build tools that serve the church. And so I, I find my, the, the biggest tools that we've made, the, the biggest resources were the Alpha Youth Series. We've done that twice. They've been used by about 1.1 1. Wow. 1 million youth around the world in like 25 languages. Wow. Like, it, like it's wild, dude, yeah. more than we ever expected. But then there's other resources that we're building right now around spiritual disciplines or how to read the Bible or uh, I want, another project that I'm really pumped about that we're working on right now is this podcast we do for youth volunteers uh, called the Youth Ministry Team Podcast. And, and all of this is just really asking the question, how do we kind of like take what we're learning in our local context and make it accessible uh, for the broader context. Wow. Um, so yeah, that's wow. my story, man. So that's good. what I'm up to. And you, t- you touched on the uh, kind of the personal side of things, just even help our, our listeners get to know you a little bit, Jay. Um, you're married, yeah. you got kids. Tell us a little bit just even about your, your family for a second. Yeah. I literally just got back from like my Monday morning date with my daughter, nice. Mary, who's three. And, uh, we, we go to Starbucks for cake pops together. So I've got a three-year-old daughter. I've got a one-year-old daughter named Millie and a five-year-old son called Hudson. So my wife and I have been married for about 10 years. Wow. We're just coming on 10 years, three kids. We live five minutes from a church building here. And, um, and we're just getting ready to move to Vancouver, which is really exciting and really fun. And it'll be a different pace. And I told my son <laughs> that I'll buy him a Nintendo Switch nice. when we move to nice. Vancouver. Wow. So he's pumped. So many similarities <laughs> there. I have a, a son and two girls as well. A little, little further along in the journey. But uh, yeah, I definitely definitely hear you. Busy life. And you're up to so much, man. You just listed kind of everything yeah. you're involved with. Um, tell us, Jason, you've been involved with, uh, with church leadership for how many years now? I think essentially, like I really actually started okay. engaging when I was about 16. Wow. So I'm 15 years in. And so when I was 16, I was like really seriously like leading the youth group yeah. of the church with my youth pastor. My youth pastor, Ben, was brilliant because Ben, who's like such a gifted leader, um, has just always been willing to like bring me into what he was doing. So at 16, whether I, whether he was just like <laughs> pretending like I was making a difference, I had the sense. Right. I had the sense that we were in this together. And then I was you know, he was like encouraging me and I was sort of leading prayer groups in our public school wow. and outreach and all this stuff. And I found myself essentially doing this, the same stuff I'm trying to do now or the same stuff I'm trying to empower yeah. leaders and students to do now. He was empowering me to do when I was 16. And so really, um, you know, and, and that's, that's kind of the, the, the most fun part of the story is Ben and I and a few others that you knew each other when we were in high school are still kind of scheming together wow. about that's these really projects. Cool. And 
I mean, that's a long time. You said 15 years in. Um, what would you say has been the biggest contributor, i.e. maybe a habit, uh, a discipline um, in your life that's sure. kind of enabled you to continue to lead with such integrity and humility? I mean, those were those were two mm. things that, that I picked up on right away. Uh, in our, you know, short meeting, even in that Starbucks was, was just the humility in which here's this guy who's, you know, going to be known nationwide, uh, on these videos and you're meeting with little old me in Ottawa, like, who am I? Right. But you just made me feel like a million bucks in those moments. So, so kind of what's, what's been the biggest contributor you'd say in keeping you in the, in this race called ministry for so long? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's an easy answer. Like it's, it's so clear to me that it's the friends, the friends I have and, and maybe more specifically, like the kind right. of friendships we keep. And, um, the, I, I honestly, like the only reason why I'm still in the game is because of like some really, really good friends who, and friendship captures accountability, yeah. encouragement, um, not, not being alone, but really like it's friendship and it's like, it's a, it's a, and I've got the names of like four or five dudes that are yeah. on my mind when I say friendship, you know, yeah. the guys that I've run with, but I've never done a project alone. I, I've preached like way too many sermons. I've never written a sermon wow. alone ever. I've never like, I've never just been in my room by myself, wrote the whole talk and then got up and done. I've always like I, a bunch of the processes on my own, but it's always, there's always a point in which I'm on the phone with a friend and I've walked them through it. And the same with like sure. decisions in ministry. Ultimately, like I know that I'm accountable. I've got to make these calls. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I would love the answer to be like my spiritual disciplines, um, like time in the word and time in prayer. And that's sure. a big part of it. But the only reason why those, those disciplines exist is because mm. of the friends that I've kept that that's have pushed good. me towards that integrity. And then there's massive seasons where my disciplines fall yeah. off the map. You know, I remember when we first had Hudson and I just completely lost the plot on my wow. alone time with God and any healthy rhythms or fitness or anything like that. And man, if I didn't have friends that, that kept the bar high on standard of living and accountability and who I could tell when I, I could go and tell them that I was experiencing anxiety or like struggling yeah. with depression or whatever it was, you know, temptation. If I didn't have friends that I could talk to who had this way of saying this is a safe place, but at the same yeah. time called yeah. me up to it. Um, and, you know, you refer to things that I'm doing as if like they have any measure of influence and scale. But like uh, what I realized is like I waffled between like like any person between finding pride in the work I do or massive insecurity in the work I do. Yeah. And those are double edged swords. Right. And again, it's the friends you keep that stop you from getting your head puffed up because they remind you that, hey, th this thing doesn't matter as much as like right. the private life you live. And it's like if you still don't show up in my life, you're still like, you know, I don't care what you're doing. Yeah. You got to be here. And then at the same time, in my insecurity and when all and usually pride is just the opposite side of the coin of insecurity. I've got friends that I, I said, oh, I find my I find health and consistency in those friendships. And then so I could talk for maybe this is something we can go into on the podcast. Yeah, I don't know man. how you want no, to this is lean good. into that. But I think even for youth pastors, like as I've been a youth pastor over the years, I've had other youth pastors from other denominations, other churches, other styles that like after our youth nights going out late at night, uh, grabbing a bite to eat afterwards and just decompressing from the nights. It changes how the nights that feel successful mm. are processed. And then it also changes the nights that feel right. like a flop. Like it, 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 it's, it just, it just is better and more fun. And I like, I even think about one time me and my buddy, Chris went door to door to try to like invite our neighbors to like a Christmas right. outreach at our church. 
and like no and, and like it just took all the courage in the world to actually go knock on doors and like no one came man not one person showed up and i just remember us laughing so hard wow. afterwards from our experience yeah. of trying to connect with our neighbors and i always look back at that memory because i go oh that was way more fun failing at yeah. that with a friend and uh and and if it was successful and you know when we say words like failure is successful i know in the kingdom of god sure. those are like sure. arbitrary frameworks because success in the kingdom mother Teresa says success in the kingdom yeah. of god's faithfulness you know and i really agree with that so i mean but what I guess like in the sense of like no one coming, like even if we'd succeeded though, it's not, it's never yeah. fun when you're doing it alone. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing is just finding those friends. And I think the thing about those friends too, is they're rarely going to be mm. convenient friendships. Oftentimes like the people that are most convenient and accessible won't be the people that, that call you right. to the highest standard and to go for this because people that you're you want to surround yourself so you have to be it's massively intentional so i think about my buddy chris all who i mentioned he's got three kids he's a teacher yeah. he's an elder at his church he's, he's volunteering they run their own adoption ministry i mean he doesn't have free time yeah. he's a dad you know so we we have to find like we go way out of our way to find that 7 a.m walk that he yeah. we do before he goes to work and it's never convenient and we talk about he's my accountability partner and like it's we so have to fight for that friendship the dudes that are convenient, the, the dudes that are convenient, that are free every day yep. for lunch are great yep. buddies, you yep. know, great friends. And I get a lot from them, but the best guys you have to like go. And it's like, well, you might not say, share the same taste in music with those guys, but you go, who's yep. going hard after God? Who's like stacking their life in a trajectory towards self-sacrifice and love. And you go, wow. I'm not giving up those friendships. Dude, that's so good. And, and I got to say, thank you for your honesty and authenticity. Once again, even on this podcast, you let us uh, into your life a little bit and, and, you know, shared what's so important to you. And I, and I believe, I agree, man, it, it is so important to the health of any, any leader and mm. uh, the sustainability of that leader over the long term. Right. It's, it's not a sprint, as you know, it's, it's a marathon. Um, what would you say? Yeah. I want to lean into that even a little more if I can, if you're comfortable with it, but mm-hmm. what would you say? I, I'm sure you've heard this before. I know I've definitely heard it. I've heard leaders say this saying, and I've got my own thoughts, opinions on it, but they say it's lonely at the top, you know, and and I believe there is a certain measure to that, but I I believe that's also a bit of a cop out. And, uh, I believe there's reasons why a leader may say that, suggest that. What would you say to that? If I were a leader and told you, Hey man, it's really lonely at the top and I don't really have a whole, and you've spoke to this already a, a little bit, but go a little deeper as to what's a leader to do if they don't feel like they have any friends yeah. and they just feel alone in leadership and uh, maybe some of the uh, yeah. surrounding issues around that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like there's a part of me that gets like the spirit mm-hmm. of that quote, you know, um, that says, you know, and, and there is like, just like you said, like, there's a measure of yeah. aloneness. I think sometimes that's a reflection of the fact that anytime you do leadership, you're people that you're going to, like how do you say this nicely there's gonna be people that dislike your decision so i just think about even in my own local church context when i make no calls when i don't do anything um yeah when i make no decisions you know i i I don't like it's not as as uh challenging but as soon as you start making decisions and even if they're good good decisions the right trajectory it impacts people and so i i I see that just the natural nature of leadership perpetuate sometimes a distance from people. But I actually, I really want to push back on that narrative. Like, I think that we have to fight mm-hmm. against that. Like, I think it happens in a few ways. And there's two ways to look at it. One is we create an us and them dichotomy between the people we lead. And, um, 
And I think that we have to be really careful about that, like to find ourselves among the people and to have, and to have legitimate friendships with real people. And especially I, I, I imagine the same is true of business leaders, but especially as a pastor, I can only really speak with full integrity to pastoral leadership. Um, we forget what we're even preaching about if we're not sitting down with the actual people mm-hmm. we're speaking to and not just the people that are our fans and feed us our own propaganda. Because like, there's always the people that just like sure. love everything you say sure. and compliment every sermon. But as soon as they like every one of your talks and agree with everything you said, I would yeah. become skeptical. Yeah. You know what I mean? In Proverbs, in Proverbs, it says that like, you know, uh, uh, wounds from a friend can be trusted. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, and, and then it speaks to like anim- enemies do ha- like flattering us. And I go, oh, yeah. I'm so convicted by that. So it's this idea of us and our, and the people we lead, but then there's this, uh, I think one, the other dynamic that I think is maybe more relevant to what we're speaking about is like, it doesn't have to be lonely at the top there. You have, you can build friendships that let people into your life and they yeah. will cost you something. But the re- the reward is that you're not alone and that you become better and there's more yeah. joy in the work, but it does cost you something. Like, I don't believe it has to be totally lonely at the top. I believe that you can move with friends alongside of you. It means the pace yeah. you move is different. And it means that sometimes your short-term output is lower or different because you're choosing to go at the pace that you can do relationships through. And you're choosing to be accessible. I'm like, I'm even just thinking right now, I'm, um, I'm preparing for, some time off this summer, like maybe yeah. like a sabbatical of sorts. And, uh, I told like a really good friend and kind of a mentor figure that I wanted them to help me shape the sabbatical. And I told them like what I was thinking and we've been talking about it and they really pushed back on, they really encouraged me not to do any okay. preaching in this time off. And I was like, no, 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 we can do some, we can do, I can do some, like, right. you know, if it's local and if it's a talk, you know, and I, and they're like, you know, I really don't think you should. And I came to this moment where I'm like, like, I got to, I got to just trust that these yeah. friends know what they're talking about and that they have my best interest in mind. And I, I mean, that's not the perfect no, example, good. but it's just one that's yeah. like relevant for me where it's like choosing to move at the pace of my friendships and to actually like, I think what ends up happening as a leader is you go, you know, they don't get it. So I can't keep in step with that or whatever it might right. be, you know, or it's, you know, another one that I experienced too is sometimes my wife goes, you know, asks about something and you got to be really careful. Like you don't have to bring the people close to you in sure. every situation you're facing. But sometimes it's exhausting letting people yeah. that love you in. I know it sounds funny, but it can be exhausting, but it's yeah. such an important discipline to, to like have those friends that you let in, not into the details of every conversation sure. you're having at work, but the details of your soul. Like, yeah. like, Hey, I'm struggling yeah. right now. Or man, I'm just, I'm just, I am feeling like, and dude, and to let those friends in, like I got a buddy called Landry who he'll call me out, man. He goes, dude, you're away way too much. This has got to be impacting your family. And that call yep. never feels yep. good to get, you know what I mean? And everything inside of yep. me wants to be defensive. Um, and if I start being defensive, he's, he's the kind of guy that would push and push and push until eventually you'd go, listen, it sounds like it doesn't sound like Jay wants me in this way. So I'll just pivot our friendship. Not that he'd abandon me, but he'd pivot the intimacy of the friendship. And we can't let that happen. Wow. We have to go, no, bro. Even if like, I need you in, like you can't let it pivot to the downgrade, the friendship to be like, he's got a voice, but not a full voice. And I got to go, even if I don't see what he sees at first, I've got to affirm and beg him to keep asking, begging him to keep engaging. And, uh, and, and so I don't think I, to go, I guess what you said, I don't think it has to be lonely at the top, but it's, but friendships will feel like work yeah. at times, but they're worth it. They're the right yeah. kind of work. Wow. 
So good, man. Um, so much to take away from, uh, yeah, just all that you said, just how key uh, friendships are. I love, I love how you phrased it earlier. You said that, that good friendships, the one that, you know, the ones that really sharpen us are inconvenient. Um, I, I, immediately what popped in my head was the whole picture of our character, you know, and how that's so instrumental to our leadership and, and, uh, us staying in this for the long haul. And I've often said the the same thing about our character, like keeping and upholding your character is always going to be inconvenient, right? It's, it's always easier and quicker to cut corners. Um, and, and I think, you know, leaders are, are tempted to do that, you know, a straight line. We just want to cut every corner possible because we're about quick and expediency and everything else, efficiency. Um, but so important that we, that we go about the right things. And and one of those things in in helping us keep our character in check is obviously the, uh, the friendships that we build with solid people around us that like, like you say, will call us out on stuff. They're not going to let us get away with things, but you know, they'll uh, call us up to a, to a higher level, a different standard, which is so healthy and so key. I love how you said that. Um, Jason, let me, uh, let's dive into leadership a little bit. We've, we've got a a few moments left here on the podcast today. Um, I'd love to get your perspective, uh, insights, whatever, even from your travels. I know you've done, uh, traveling across Canada, uh, not just with youth alpha, but now in speaking at various events and, and even across, I mean, alpha is taking you across denominational lines, so to speak. And so I'm just wondering, I want to look ahead, you know, next 10, 15 years or so, any obstacles or challenges um, that just kind of keep resurfacing in your travels, uh, in your, in your conversations Mm. with leaders that you're noticing, um, you know, maybe issues that are just out there right now and uh, common to all leaders. And and again, this is a leadership podcast. This might uh, bring some comfort to some leaders listening here in rural, you know, Ontario or wherever might say, Oh, I'm so glad to hear. I'm not the only one facing this, but talk to, talk to us for a minute, just about some of the trends and and things you're seeing across the church. Sure. So I'll mention a few shifts that, that we're seeing quickly. And then there's one I kind of want to lean into maybe more than others, but some of the, some of the ones that we can chat through quick and you can lean into whatever one you want, but uh, obviously obviously the rate of change is impacting us. You know, like we, we live in a post-Christian society. We live in the wake of post-modernity. We live in a post-family society. And by family, I mean uh, like post-relational, like the highest value is the individual. And these, these shifts in culture from like a communal society to individualistic society, uh, even the shift of the digital age, this is massively impacting the things that we do. And so what, what we'd see is like a lot of people feeling like the things that used to work, whether it's in church leadership or it's in marketing, they don't seem to have the yeah. same traction. And, and there's this feeling of, am I the only one feeling this? And every once in a while, there'll be an, like a, an anomaly where somebody is finding success, for example, with like an attractional church model, you know, and I've got, when I say that, I mean, is like, you know, if we do the music well enough and we do the graphics well enough, then that can you know, cause sure. growth. And, and there's people doing that really well with success. But the broad experience is that some of the things in that space that we used to work no longer work. And, and so you see the shift happening where it's like, and even like, I just think about youth ministry where we find ourselves in the, in a digital age, like one of the stats I just read recently was um, around, you know, high school students and the friendships they keep. So with Gen Z, like for me, when in 2005, when I graduated from high school, 
I spent time daily with yeah. my friends. Like that was a, sure. a normal thing. And that would have been like six, you know, over 50% of the average high school student yeah. hanging out with friends every day. Since 2010, if you look at the trend line if, of students answering the question, how much time, how many times a week you hang with your friends, whatever, it's like a sharp, aggressive decline since 2010, which is when the popularization of, of right. the iPhone essentially right. and social media. And so we live in a completely different cultural landscape. So we feel that. We feel that. And we ask the question, what does that mean for a church or for whatever organization it might be that was built or predicated on some different assumptions, you know, or ministry models? I do believe in the midst of this, especially for church leaders, like now more than ever, the church has a relevant message, which is to offer meaningful community, to offer a different type of community that actually feels like so different than the cultural experience around us. Um, but we, but it's harder than ever to invite people into community. So this is the tension. The thing that we offer is dynamic community, like that is made possible because of what Jesus has done in our lives and to bring people into a family like community. And yet we live in a cultural moment where the need for that's higher than ever, but actually the instinct of the average young person. So whether it's a Gen Z or millennial is actually sometimes to retreat, to to retreat from that. So there's that, there's that trend. Um, but there's also another trend that we're experiencing, which is around succession. Um, and this is happening in the church like crazy and in businesses, which is essentially baby. We're, we're approaching a massive retirement of baby boomers yeah. in the next 10 years. And so over the next 10 years, we're going to see businesses transition, tons of churches transition. You look at denominations like the Pentecost Sundays of Canada or the Alliance Church in Canada, and you see the age of the average age of the credential holder being like mid yeah. to late fifties. And the implicate, the implication of that is, um, then the next five to 10 years, we're going to see a massive retirement and there's not a lot of Gen Xers yeah. in the pipeline and millennials, millennials who are the next kind of wave of people to take leadership in these organizations fundamentally interpret and experience the world different than baby boomers. And so there's a massive sort of like, I would call it a precarious baton passing in front of us where we have to ask the question, who will take leadership in the church of tomorrow? And this church of tomorrow yeah. isn't 20 years down the road. Yeah. This is like yeah. now, starting now, and will only increase in the next five to 10 years. Who's going to take that baton and what will that baton pass look like? Um, and this, I think this is the question we have to wrestle with as church leaders today. Uh, for the baby boomers at listening, the question is, what does it look like for you to set the stage and empower millennials? And for the millennials look like, what will it look listening? What will it look like to honor and come alongside baby boomers in this time? And in my own church context with my lead pastor, uh, you know, he came on staff about five years ago and he hired me here at the church. And, um, you know, it took us a long time to even hear each other. Um, we were just speaking such a different language and I thought he was saying one thing. He right. thought I was saying one thing and it took time for us to build a friendship and trust. And now that we have that friendship and trust, it's so much more fun and it's, we're able to actually collaborate and learn from each other, but that wasn't yeah. simple. It wasn't easy. And, um, and so we have this reality of that baton pass, but then we also have the reality of the quality of you and I and our peers right. as leaders and, what what does it look like for us to become and to grow into and to grow in the kind of leadership that will be required of us? And I just think about things like uh, spiritual depth hmm. or hmm. spiritual resilience or moral stability or biblical literacy. And I think, man, you know, Jerry, you and I 
and our friends and our peers, we've got to ask the question, like, are we as deep as we want to be wide? You know, like we're the most resourced. I even think about the young people that we get to work with. Um, so whether it's millennials or Gen Z, um, the most resourced, the most connected, the highest access to information. If there's ever a generation that could like solve major global issues, that could see a massive move of justice, of evangelism, discipleship. Um, it, this is the generation that has the resources, the technology, yeah. the information to do it. But what will stop us and what has stopped us is that we're shallow. Oh. Is we're, ad, we, we're willing to be advocates online, but when it comes to actually accounting the costs and living with character, and I just see it in my own life. I just see um, that we're not a people grounded. Mm. We're not a people consistently convicted in the same direction long enough to make a dent. And so I think that when I think about the church leader of the future, I think that it's a call for us to be more spiritually grounded. I think church leadership in the future will look different. We'll see more teamwork. We'll see more diversity and leadership. And I think that's something exciting about the entrepreneurial and creative and team nature of the next wave of leaders. But that the only way team is act, because we love to talk about community and team in theory as millennials, but in practice, it is predicated on an ability to prefer others over yourself, which only happens when you've been like, you've done the deep work of like rooting out your selfish ambition. And so it's like, it's a good thing to think about in theory. I'm really struck. There's this quote by a guy called Henry Nowen, and uh, he's a Catholic uh, leadership writer. He's passed away. Um, And he says this, he says, it's not enough for the priests and ministers of the future to be moral people, well-trained, eager to help their fellow human beings and able to respond creatively to the burning issues of the time. All of that's very valuable and important. And it is very valuable. Yeah. I mean, these are big things like moral people, well-trained, eager to help their fellow human beings, able to respond creatively, creatively to the burning issues of their time. He says all of that's very valuable and important, but it's not the heart of Christian leadership. The central question is, are the leaders of the future truly men and women of God, people with an ardent desire to dwell in God's presence, to listen to God's voice, to look at God's beauty, to touch God's incarnate word, and to taste fully God's infinite goodness. Wow. And that that is something that, again, like, I can read the quote, but even as I'm reading it to you, I feel like a hypocrite. I go, I spend most of my time becoming well-trained, eager to help others, finding creative solutions to burnish their time. Um, but I wonder, and I find myself asking myself the question, am I someone who is a man or a woman of God with the desire to dwell in God's presence and listen to his voice and to look at his beauty and mm. to touch his word. Um, and that's, that's, and I just feel like that's the call man for our peers is to, um, in order for this precarious baton pass to happen in the church and even in the, in the corporate sector for Christian leaders, it's going to require uh, not just entrepreneurial and creative solutions, but like the deep character yeah. work. Yeah. Wow. So insightful. Um, thank you so much for, for sharing that. What, why do you think, uh, let me just ask you one more question on that before we switch gears, but Mm -hmm. why do you think that, um, why do you think we've shifted so far away from that? I mean, I, I, we can all think of our, our journey, you know, into ministry, leadership, whatever. And we often start out with kind of that ambition to, uh, you know, and, and so close to God, we don't really know what we're doing. And so we don't really have a whole lot of options other than to turn to God 
and, and to get on our face, you know, humbly come before him and submit ourselves to him. Like, what do you want me to do? Cause I don't like, I remember my start and I'm sure you got a story too, Jason, of your start, but my first two weeks in youth ministry, my lead pastor was arrested and I'm sitting at my desk going, what the, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> oh, man. Right. And so, I mean, oh, man. I, I was, I remember those days, like if I'm to be perfectly honest, I, I probably did feel closer to God, you know, in that intimate relationship um, because I didn't have a clue what I was yeah. doing. So why do you think, or, or how do you think we yeah. evolve and kind of not intentionally, I don't think anyone necessarily does it intentionally, but yeah. why do we move so far away from that? What, how, how do we, how do we ensure that we, we stay there or get back there for those leaders so far from that? Yeah. I think there's a couple of factors. Um, there's probably lots, but here's two that I think are worth mentioning. They're both connected to, yeah, to the digital yeah. age that we're in. One is we're distracted. Mm. And I don't mean that. I mean that in the most like capital yeah. B distracted, like we are. So, so things like simplicity, silence, solitude, steady surrender. Um, man, I can, I struggle to just find stillness and yeah. silence with the Lord to focus on the word of God, to meditate, to talk to him without losing yeah. focus. And so, you know, we find things like worship music and worship environments becoming increasingly important. And because, because that's where we can focus, that's where we can commune with God. But the deep work he wants to do can't just happen with the songs on. There has to be that silence, that solitude, yeah. that meditation, that deep work of repentance and uh, like searching my heart. Like, and so we're distracted and like we're digitally addicted and it's a real thing. And that has had a massive, massive effect on uh, Christian leaders and followers of Jesus. And I, I think that we have to look at that really seriously in our personal lives first. And then as we think about what does it look like to cultivate spiritual discipline in the digital age? Yeah. Um, I think the other part of that too, though, is, is one of the blessings of the digital age is access to great, great leadership coaching, great models of church, um, great success stories, uh, great resources. Um, but it's also at the same time, like, pulled us into yeah. comparison, yeah. Uh, wanting to emulate how somebody yeah. else does it. And so instead of like, cause it, I think that part of Christian leadership, what's unique is like, because like our primary responsibility is faithfulness to who God created us to be, to use the gifts he's given us and do that in partnership with yeah. him and others. But when we try to find ourselves constantly comparing and importing other models, it causes us to like, again, that comparison thing, again, it's not like, for example, like Instagram, um, you know, for every young leader, they know how to take a picture of their youth group or their church where it looks like the room's full, but they know, <laughs> so they know, they yeah. know behind them, they know behind yeah. them, no one's there. Um, and we've all felt that pressure and you can't Instagram faithfulness. You can't Instagram intimacy wow. with God, but those are the primary factors. Yeah. Um, that's the, those are the primary. And so again, like we're comparison is like really yeah. hurting us trying to wear somebody. Like I heard one guy a long time ago say like, don't put on Saul's armor. And there was that idea of David, like saying Saul's yeah. armor didn't fit him. There's that interesting scene where Saul offers him the armor and he says, yeah. it doesn't fit me. And I think that we have a bit of that going on sure. where we're like trying to put sure. on somebody else's, you know, model, but, but it's, it's not like just like a, a small thing. It's actually deeply rooted in, in like a comparison that's been perpetuated, uh, by social media 
and we fuel it all the time. Um, and we think that what it means to be a minister of the future is to have a successful church or to travel and preach yeah. and all these things. And just, again, and this is why friendships are form- so important to find those friends that remind you that that's not, that's not the call to Christian ministry to have those people remind you, be like, Hey man, like it comes down to faithfulness, wow. intimacy and yeah. character. And so I think that, the, I think that's part of it um, for sure. And then I think the other thing is too, I think, I wonder if, and maybe I'll just speak for myself. I wonder if I'm content with the impact I have. Wow. Like I'm content with what we're seeing. Like, I think when you find yourself utterly discontent with what you can achieve on your own strength, you find yourself like desperate for prayer. And I really do believe that in the next couple of years here in Canada, we're going to see a renewal of a prayer movement wow. of churches waking up early, yeah. creating environments where people yeah. come and they pray. And I even think, I think about like how we've seen, um, even our hunger for the supernatural, like to see like spiritual gifts active in the church. I think, I think these are connected ideas. Cause I think that like, I love that we've learned like great models for reaching communities. And, but then also I think that's like part of seeing like the church empowered in the power of God is, is that you can't control yeah. it. It doesn't fit into yeah. a model. It's a releasing of people. And, um, I, and I, I actually really optimistic about these things. I think that we're actually seeing, um, I think we're seeing some of the first fruits of like seeing God pour out himself in power and seeing a desperation beginning to grow. And we're seeing it with young people. Um, but I think that like even intercessory prayer is a discipline that the church has always practiced. You know, you hear about revivals in history often yeah. started by yeah. young people gathering late into the yeah. night praying. And I go look at the church in Canada. I go, where are the pockets of people staying late tonight mm-hmm. to pray? And am yeah. I part of that? You know, and I, I don't want to sound like I'm just a critic. Cause I find my, this is, I'm just yeah, telling man. you what I'm wrestling with dude is like, and I, I'm praying, God, teach me how to pray for cities. Teach me how to pray um, for my city. Teach me how to pray for renewal of society and transformation of society. And so I, I think that these things are connected ideas um, that hopefully speak oh, to what you're asking. So good, there. man. And yeah, I agree with uh, a lot of what you said. I, I, I do believe we're, we're coming back to, yeah, the, the day and age. I think we're, we're getting fed up with what we think the world needs. Um, and the ideas we have surrounding how to do church and how to do it well and, and a lot of good things and good motives, not none of them bad. Um, but uh, I think we've we've become so far removed from what Jesus meant and, and what we see in the New Testament church. Um, and I think there, yeah, I think you're right. We're going to see a shift in, in a culture and and uh, moving back to some of those uh, biblical uh, priorities and things that we see in Scripture. So. So yeah. and it's happening, dude, like I'm radically optimistic. Like I talk about all these trends and it might sound like I'm, it's funny. Cause the more I talk about the trends, like decrease in church attendance, leadership sure. gap, sure. all these things, for some reason, there's this like, it, you know what the picture I have is like, when I look at the landscape of the church in Canada from like an aerial view, um, yeah. like high up yeah. 30,000 foot, as it were, it would look like a forest fire, like, like black carnage, like the church is on yeah. decline we have a leadership yeah. gap, there's issues. When I'm up close in local churches, I feel like it's like if you walked through like a land that was like went through a forest fire, but like, you know, six months later and you see actually all this new right. growth, right. like this fresh, green, lush, the aerial view feels like oh, there's right. been a forest fire, but actually up close, what we're seeing is like the first fruits, man. And it's wild. Like, I really believe that we like, this is the best time to go yeah. all in 
on ministry and just say yeah. yes to the call. Cause I just think, man, God's moving That's in so Canada. Good. And I, I just am so, so encouraged by what's happening all over the country. Oh, that's a great way of, of putting it. I love that, that picture you gave. Um, well, I, I want to thank you, man. I, I know you are, like I said, a, a busy guy and I really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to just speak to our listeners today. This has been so meaningful. Um, and I know many will, will, uh, greatly benefit from all you've had to say. And, uh, I know we're going to have you as a, as a special guest at one of our upcoming events here in EOND at our uprising conference coming up in May. And, uh, so pumped to have you with us and looking forward to that. Um, so if you're listening today and you're a part of Eastern Ontario district, uh, you will be, um, happy to know that Jason's going to be with us, um, the month that this is actually launched, uh, May, 2019. So we're pumped about that. Jay, before we go today, um, Tell us where, uh, tell our listeners where they can find you online if they want to follow along kind of in your journey. You spoke sure. about a church plant that's coming. So exciting. Uh, pumped yeah. for you and your, your friends that you're able to do that with. Uh, tell us where we can connect with you online. Sure. If you want to see pictures of my children, <laughs> that's my Instagram. That's all I've got. Uh, I, that's all I know that's how to good. put on Instagram. Uh, and, uh, but you know, uh, my friends put together a website to help kind of like make some of these resources we talked about accessible. And so jasonballard.ca is kind of like a hub for just some of the Perfect. things we're giving away. And there's two things I'd love to draw attention to. One is the, we uh, wrote like a primer on spiritual disciplines called following Jesus. And it's actually a 30 day like journey, like learning to just read the Bible, pray, meditate, and it's free PDF online. And so that's there. Um, and then my friend Chris and I do like a, like a couple emails a month just called links and headlines where we just kind of throw out a couple resources that we're benefiting from a few articles, stuff that's like Christian literature, but then also like things happening in culture that kind of helps shape our thinking yeah. together as young leaders. And then there's also a link there, a lead link there to this youth ministry team podcast, which is um, for the youth volunteers, right. so not the point person, but the actual like people who are leading small groups and, uh, you know, realize that that's, and as a youth pastor, my own church, I'm like, we have so little opportunity to train our, our leaders. So I was like, Oh, what if we just did a podcast for them? And we thought, well, what if we just make it more accessible? Yeah. And so super practical stuff. Like we just released one on how do you help a kid who's going, who's self-harming, you know what I mean? And I just go, so I don't have the answer. So I just interviewed a doctor that I know who works with, who does counseling for students. He said, here's a framework for it. I found that extremely helpful for our leaders. So that's there for you guys. Well, thanks for sharing that. We just appreciate you so much. And, uh, all that you're doing to advance the kingdom of God, especially out there in warm, beautiful BC. Um, yeah, I appreciate it. Man. Thanks our, for having our me pleasure. today. Uh, I want to thank our, our listeners. We're going to wrap it up. I want to thank our listeners for tuning into my conversation with Jason Ballard today. Well, that concludes another episode of the Leadership Matters podcast. And I want to encourage you today, if you've been challenged, encouraged, um, by listening to this interview with Jason Ballard today, would you help us out here at the Leadership Matters podcast and, and share it with somebody in your sphere of influence? You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, or nine other podcast options wherever you find your podcast, you can find us. All you have to do is search LDRSHP Matters, that's M at sign ERS. Search that in any of the major podcast apps and you'll find us there and share it with one of your friends today. All right, until next month, remember, your leadership really does matter. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.